But here's the thing. We can't build God's kingdom and we can't advance God's kingdom now. It's not, it's not never been our job to do that. Nowhere in scripture does it encourage us to do the hard labor of kingdom building. Instead, listen, we are called to be representatives of what the kingdom will look like. When you think about the kingdom of God, do you think it's present now? Is it only spiritual? Is it something we're looking forward to in the future? Or maybe you really don't think about it at all. Hi, I'm Steve Conover. This is the Friends of Israel Today, and I'm here with our host, Chris Katolka. Chris, when we think about the kingdom, I feel it's a subject we don't like to talk about. We hesitate, maybe because we feel we should already have a grasp on it, or maybe we just don't think it's that important. Yeah, the kingdom issue is something that is difficult to understand, but once we begin to grasp the truth about the kingdom in the scriptures, it helps to open up what God's plan and program is from Genesis to Revelation. I know it helped me out, and that's why this entire issue of Israel My Glory, which is titled, Thy Kingdom Come, a look at what the prophet Isaiah had to say about the future kingdom of God, is gonna help bring some truth to understanding the kingdom of God from the scriptures. And later on, we're gonna have Tom Simcox with us, a church ministries representative with the Friends of Israel to talk about his article in this recent issue of Israel My Glory. If you would like to understand the kingdom, or if this is an issue you haven't thought much about, you'll want the March-April issue of Israel My Glory. Sign up for your free trial subscription at foiradio.org. So in the news, Israeli police arrested an 18-year-old American Israeli in southern Israel who was suspected of calling in bomb threats to Jewish centers in the United States. The young man is said to have used programs like Google Voice and Bitcoin to mask the origination of his bomb threats. But the FBI worked alongside Israel's Lahav 433 cyber unit and after a month-long search, isolated the location of the threats. Now, for me, it's definitely shocking to see these threats were coming from Israel of all places. The young man in custody is said to have suffered from certain behavioral issues and was considered unfit to serve in the Israeli military. So let's pray that justice is served and that the Jewish community in the U.S. and abroad can find some peace knowing the perpetrator has been apprehended. This is one of my favorite shows to share with you all, our audience, an entire show dedicated to our latest magazine, Israel My Glory. Our current issue is called Thy Kingdom Come, a look at what the prophet Isaiah had to say about the future kingdom of God. And this is such an important topic for our time to to look at the scriptures and to ask ourselves, what do the prophets of the Old Testament say about the kingdom? And the title of this magazine is perfect because it shows how the concept of the kingdom is spread across the entirety of the scriptures. Thy kingdom come is a quote from the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew. When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus prayed that prayer, notice, notice what he's saying. He's asking our Father in heaven to bring his kingdom to earth and to make earth as it is in heaven. 
Jesus's knowledge and understanding of the kingdom is rooted in the promises of the kingdom from the Old Testament. And the disciples, they would have known what Jesus was talking about when he prayed, thy kingdom come, or father, bring your kingdom to earth. That's why this issue is so fantastic, because it's showing that Jesus, the king of the kingdom, was teaching the disciples to pray for the coming, literal, physical kingdom of God on earth. And the kingdom is a word that we like to throw around a lot in our Christian circles. You know, have you ever heard someone say, I want to help advance the kingdom of God, or, or the church should be busy building the kingdom of God? And I'll be the first to admit, I've said these phrases before, but the more and more I studied the scriptures, the more I realized, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, it's not my job to build or advance the kingdom. That's the king's job. So what is the kingdom from a biblical perspective? And then how do we fit into it? You know, the kingdom of God is is God's rule and reign on earth through his chosen king, Jesus the Messiah. I'm going to repeat that. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign on earth through his chosen king, Jesus the Messiah. In fact, the title Messiah, Moshiach in Hebrew, is a way of saying anointed one or or king, the king of Israel. And even the phrase, you've heard this one before, Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God. Son of God means king as well. When God promised King David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Lord said to David, I will be like a father to him and he will be like a son to me. And it's from that passage that we get the phrase Son of God. Jesus the Messiah is the Son of God who God himself has chosen and anointed to rule over his future kingdom. The kingdom can be really such a lofty idea too. In the Old Testament, the kingdom seemed very physical, but when you move into the New Testament, it begins to feel like it changes into more of a spiritual kingdom. But my friends, it doesn't. Remember, With God, there is no differentiating between the physical and the spiritual. They are one. Just remember the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying that the Father's presence would be found on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the big picture, everybody. This is the kingdom of God. God's presence with his people. If you really want to know what the kingdom of God is, it's God's presence with his creation as it was intended way back in the Garden of Eden when God walked with Adam and Eve. And so it will be in the future when God's kingdom is established and God is dwelling with man. And and the prophet Isaiah has one of the clearest visions of the kingdom. And I, and I want you to hear how tangible and visible the presence of God will be during his reign on earth. And this comes from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 19 through 22. Listen to this. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. 
Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Do you hear what Isaiah is saying? He's saying that God's physical presence on earth will be so radiant and bright that the sun will have no more need anymore. When God dwells on earth, he will be our light. And I love this. Your days of mourning shall be ended. When God's presence returns to his creation, the kingdom is not just physical in nature, but remember, it's spiritual in nature as well. The sadness, the heartache, pain, and loneliness leading to mourning will end because the brokenness of this world experienced when Satan entered the scene will finally end. And God is going to restore his creation to the way it was intended to be. Remember what God said after he finished creating in the book of Genesis? Remember what he would say about each thing? That it was good. God wants to restore his creation to its original intent, and his presence will be our guiding light. But here's the thing. We can't build God's kingdom, and we can't advance God's kingdom now. It's, not, it's not, never been our job to do that. Nowhere in Scripture does it encourage us to do the hard labor of kingdom building. Instead, listen, we are called to be representatives of what the kingdom will look like. When the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 to live out as Christians the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, he's saying that these are the attributes of a kingdom person. When a believer in Jesus Christ is yielding his life to the work of the Holy Spirit, that person is living a kingdom life. And it gives the unbelievers in the world a chance to see what the kingdom will look like. And to experience the transformational power of the ministry of Christ in someone's life. And just to be clear, I'm not saying Christians are perfect. But I am saying in the moments when we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives, the world gets a taste of kingdom living. So what can you do now? My friends, practice the disciplines of the fruit of the Spirit. Let people see kingdom living in and through you. You you can also wait patiently. This is the hard part, but wait patiently for the coming of the kingdom. Declare that the kingdom is coming. This is a very important part. Declare that the kingdom is coming. That's a part of the gospel message. Believers in Christ enter into his glorious kingdom. We should be declaring to everyone that Christ is coming and he's bringing his kingdom. And finally, everyone, pray. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
If you're familiar with our ministry, you know that we emphasize the need for solid biblical teaching and accurate analysis on the news of the day. One of the best resources for great biblical teaching that I know is the Friends of Israel's magazine, Israel, My Glory. Chris, some may not realize that Israel, My Glory has been around since 1942 and has well over 150,000 subscribers. Yeah, I'll tell you, I travel the country speaking in churches, churches in big cities and small rural towns. And no matter where I go, I always meet people who read our magazine and trust it as a resource for Middle East news and great biblical teaching. To order your free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, visit foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking during this show about our current issue of our magazine, Israel, My Glory. And and this particular issue is, as, as you heard me say earlier, is one that's really important. It, the, the title is Thy Kingdom Come, a look at what the prophet Isaiah had to say about the future kingdom of God. And the kingdom is such an important concept uh, in our understanding of you know what God's plan and program is as he is redeeming all things for himself, to, to redeem all things from sin and from corruption. And the kingdom plays a major role in that. And I also think it can often be the most confusing concept as well to get our minds wrapped around. And that's why today I have Tom Simcox, who's a church ministries representative here in the Philadelphia area. Tom, great to have you on the program, my friend. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here with you and and all of our listeners. And Tom, you and I share something in common. We are both big Phillies fans. Is that, that right? That is true. And I'm excited to the fact that spring training is rolling. Phillies start in about a week and a half. That's great. So I'm looking forward to, to a good season. I always get along real well with fellow Philadelphia fans, but we need to stay focused, Tom, because we could spend our whole time on, on sports. But let's talk about your article, Thy Kingdom Come. Um, you, you make some awesome claims in helping to define the kingdom. Can, can can you help us understand a little bit more about what the kingdom of God is? You say it's a wonderful future God has in store for earth in your article uh, when the Savior arrives. What, what do you mean by that? As I understand the kingdom, Chris, the kingdom is going to be this amazing period of time at the end of the tribulation period. Jesus physically returns to planet Earth. He'll stand on the Mount of Olives. It will split in two. He will defend and protect Israel. Then after the, the, the demise, really, of Antichrist and all his armies, the judgment of the sheep and the goats, we will move into probably the best period of time in the history of the world, as Jesus will literally reign and rule from Jerusalem, Israel, for 1,000 years. That's the kingdom, as I understand and, it. And that's called the millennial kingdom, yes, right? Yes, it is. Why is it yes, called the millennial kingdom? I think millennial comes from the idea of the 1,000 years. It says in, in Revelation that, that Jesus is going to reign for 1,000 years, and traditionally, we We've understood that to be a millennium, because a millennium is a thousand years. So the millennial kingdom is the thousand-year literal reign of Jesus on planet Earth, sitting on the throne of David in, in I believe, the physical temple. Probably, it says in Zechariah, he's going to be a priest 
on a throne, which was something that was unheard of in, in the Hebrew scriptures. You could be a priest and a king, but you couldn't be a priest and a king, but he is the prophet, priest, and king on the throne in Jerusalem for 1,000 years reigning and ruling. And and this is important to understand because when we're talking about the concept of the kingdom, you're looking at this kingdom as a literal kingdom. This, this is very different among different denominations within the church body. Uh, why is it important that we look at this kingdom concept as something that's literal? Why, you know, an actual physical kingdom with Jesus physically ruling in Jerusalem. Why is that important? I think it's important, number one, because God promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promised that they would have the land. He promised David that he would not lack a man to sit on his throne. And and to fulfill these promises, plus the fact we know in Isaiah, Isaiah 65, but even before that, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 11, he kind of lets through the prophets little aspects of the kingdom. For example, Isaiah 11, righteousness justice. These are concepts that are going to be very prominent in the kingdom. The lion laying down with a lamb, the the child playing at the hole of an asp, the fact that the bear will eat straw as an ox. These are literal prophecies that, that God indicated in his word will happen. They're not happening yet. They haven't happened previously. So they must be relegated to sometime in the future, which to me and and those of the pre-trib, pre-mill dispensational camp must be the millennial kingdom. And, you know, I often tell people a lot of times we are tooled in the church. We are, we are, we are taught to think heaven is us going up and kind of almost going into the clouds and sitting on the clouds and getting our halos. But in the Bible, the truth about heaven is, yes, for a moment, just for a moment, we are in the presence of the Lord in in heaven. But that really heaven is when everything comes down back to earth, when Christ redeems this earth. Is that a part of this kingdom concept? Absolutely. I believe that when God created everything back in Genesis, he declared everything good. And then in Genesis 3, Satan stepped in and, and everything went bad. Everything was bad. And God promised, Genesis 3.15, to send one who would crush the head of the serpent and basically set everything back to rights. I really believe, and I, I, I think I'm on sound ground with this, that when we look at the kingdom, we're basically going back to an Edenic-like state Yes, where the sin curse is lifted. Okay, Satan's bound. Mankind that goes into the kingdom, they'll be saved, but they'll still have a sin nature. But Satan is bound. There's going to be no disease, no thorns, no thistles, no weeds, no no death in the sense of AIDS or, or heart attacks or Alzheimer's or cancer. No, none of this. It's going to, it says at, at 100 that you're going to be like a child. Yeah. And that's all part of going back to what God promised he was going to do back in Genesis when he said he was going to send the one that would crush the head of the serpent. And even in what, chapter 4 of Genesis, Eve says, see, I've gotten a man. She fully expected maybe this child that was born that we know was not, but she thought maybe this was going to be the head crusher that was going to begin the process of redeeming her and all of creation back to the way it was supposed to be. Yeah, I always say Genesis to Revelation is the story of Eden to Eden. That going back to when God is 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 with man. That is really it and that's what we talked about earlier in our previous segment. 
let me ask you a question. Why does Israel still play a role in the kingdom? Wouldn't we assume that when Christ returns, establishes his throne, that everything kind of blends in together and we all become one in Christ? Is there still a future need for Israel in the kingdom, would you say? I would say that is true. You go, again, back in the Hebrew scriptures, I mentioned earlier, David was promised that he would not lack a man to sit on his throne. If the kingdom isn't a literal kingdom, then there will never be a fulfillment of that because clearly in this juncture, as much as I I love Benjamin Netanyahu, there's no way to know whether he's of the house and lineage of David or who he's of the house and lineage of because the Jewish tribal situation is totally obliterated and lost until during the tribulation period when God really sets a seal on 12,000 from every tribe to reestablish the tribal status. Number two, we go to the book of Acts, a transition period between law and grace. What do they ask Jesus in in, in Acts? Will you now restore the kingdom? Clearly, Jesus is resurrected, has not yet ascended. The disciples say, okay, we didn't get this whole, you had to die for sin and and, and all that. Well, okay, you're all done that. You're, you're, You're alive. Do we get the kingdom now? Yes. And you know, that's such an important passage because Jesus never says, Oh, you got it wrong, guys. The kingdom's here. Here it is. He he doesn't ever say that. In fact, he he leaves it wide open to say, uh, the kingdom is coming, but you have a job to do in the meantime. And that's where I want to go with this. We have a job to do in the meantime. We are waiting for the coming king to sit on his throne as we anticipate his kingdom to come. But in the meantime, we're waiting with great anticipation for his coming. What is a Christian supposed to think about the kingdom right now? And how is the kingdom supposed to impact the life of a believer today? That is a great question, Chris. You know, just just a few weeks ago, the United States inaugurated our, our 45th president. And as he was pulling everything together and, and, and taking the oath of office, he began a new administration. Now, I don't know whether believers that are listening you and I, I think, understand this, but believers need to understand, we're part of the administration of King Jesus the first. Yeah. We're going to reign and rule with him. So number one, he has given us our orders in this, in this dispensation that we are to occupy till he comes. Number two, he said, go everywhere, tell everyone who I am. Go and make disciples. That's, that's our orders for this, this time period, to, to do what the king said. You know, in a way, he says in, uh, in Ephesians, he talks about the fact that... Um, we're ambassadors for Christ. So in a sense, the kingdom hasn't come, but we're like ambassadors or emissaries that are here on planet Earth to represent what the kingdom can be, what the kingdom can can bring beforehand. Then when the Lord returns, we're going to reign and rule with him over those people that survive the tribulation and are born again and go into the kingdom. We're going to be involved in reigning and ruling with him. So I think as believers, number one, we should, we should be ambassadors for Christ. Number two, he gave us our orders, go, occupy, reproduce after, you know, after your own kind, and, and you know, go everywhere, tell everyone who I am. And then finally, wait for the day when, when the Lord calls us uh, home and absent from the body, present with the Lord. But then we return, Zechariah chapter 12, Revelation, what, 19? 
20, and, and we come back with him and watch him set up the kingdom. As he rules and reigns, and we're Absolutely. anticipating that day. Tom, thank you very much for coming. I want to encourage everyone, if you're interested in hearing more about Thy Kingdom Come, in this conversation that we're having, uh, of the coming kingdom that's seen in the, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah, and ultimately fulfilled in Christ, in his words in the gospel, and then also, indeed, when he returns, I want to encourage you to go to, go to foiradio.org to sign up for your free subscription, one-year free subscription to Israel My Glory. Tom, thank you so much for being with us, Chris, it was a real honor and blessing. Thank you. I'd like to thank Tom Simcox for his insights into his article in the March-April issue of Israel My Glory. You can receive Israel My Glory magazine at no cost for a full year. Visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. You can also call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong, and I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We're a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.